0: We look forward to you taking part in our conversations. All right. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we we have a, a new voice on the podcast today. This is Rachel. Hey, Rachel. Hi, guys.
0: <laughs> how are you?
2: I'm well. I'm I'm barely awake. It's early in the morning in New Zealand and still quite dark. So I'll tell you at the end how I am. Oh, what ta- oh, no. like, what actual time is it? It's 7.30, so it's not super early, but it is pitch okay. black outside. So right, it's, it's like,
0: you're right in the winter, you're going, going yes. into
2: winter, right? Yeah. Yeah, so we're close to the shortest day, so I'm still slightly foggy.
0: Oh well, thank you for getting
2: up for this. Such sympathy!
1: Wow, you know what? Like, we know exactly how that feels. Yeah, like yeah. When it's close to the longest, darkest day of the year mm. in Toronto or in Vancouver, it is dark. It's yeah. like spirits are low, energy is low. The whole city just wants to like
0: go back to bed for another few months. Like, so I yeah. we
1: totally, totally get it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember teaching like a seven a.m. yoga class and. Well, I'm not teaching it anymore, but having to get up, yeah, around six or maybe a little bit before. And that was the mm. hardest time for sure. Like, oh my God, just dragging my ass out of bed. <laughs> but then as soon as you got there, it was good. But that's, that's definitely it. like the kind of two, two and a half months of it being pretty difficult <laughs> to get
2: there. It's always worth it when you get there, but when the alarm goes off, mm, there yeah, are moments of
0: doubt. Every excuse <laughs> comes to your head of why, how to not <laughs> get out of bed. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And then you sort of, like, rationalize pushing it. Like, I can get ready in two minutes. I can. Yeah. I really can, you know. like I will just stay here a little bit longer.
2: (sighs) (laughs) I always set my alarm as late as possible, so there's no way I can push it. It's, it's, I have to get up, I have to get dressed, I have to get in the car, I have to go. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Oh, man.
0: That's
2: good.
1: <laughs> well, we really super appreciate having you wake up and be on the podcast with us. It's it's a little hard to schedule a time that works for everyone, but mm. I'm so glad we, we made it work because it's, um, it's super good to have you on. You're like this wealth of wisdom and knowledge and experience. Gosh,
2: no pressure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So today we're talking about, I want to talk about teacher training, right? And mm. like the the two hundred hours that you lead with Yoga Medicine, is that what we're talking about? I texted Sandy yesterday. I was like, "What are we talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> I, I told I, you. I know. You're like teacher about. training. I was like, "Okay, I can talk about teacher training forever." Is that <laughs> what well, we're going it? with.
2: It's it's such yeah. a it's such a rich topic, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I'm trying to like remember my first, and I in its well, it wasn't even that long ago. I guess this 2012 was my first two hundred and. I remember it being amazing, but I can't, um, like that, the kind of that feeling of that first one is gone, but I remember like the more recent ones with, with yoga medicine and my, uh, I did a 300 advanced before the ones that I'm doing with yoga medicine now. Um, 2015, which is kind of a little bit more fresh in those good, good feelings.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I remember mine really vividly. Uh, and it was, Here in Queenstown, where I live now, and we started every morning at 5.30. So we had to be there at 5 to set up the altar and get the room ready. And then we went through till about 6.30 at night for six days a week for four weeks. So it was a a four-week intensive, and it was intense. And I just remember feeling at the other side. I'd been so completely changed. I was like a, a, a different person couldn't imagine going back to how I'd been before wow
0: yeah yeah there's like this weird like floaty feeling or
2: something (laughs) yeah I I do I feel for people who who uh, you know talk to a couple of teachers who've done a three or four week intensive away from home and then coming back they almost have a breakdown it's the sort of feeling of uh, how do I bring everything that I've learned into my real life back home you know, that sort of, it was so different over there and I was, you know, in Bali and I was eating raw mm-hmm. foods and how do I recreate that, that lifestyle back at home with my job and my responsibilities mm-hmm. and my family. And so I was really grateful that mine, even though it was an intensive, was at home. So I was already sort of balancing it with laundry and grocery shopping and the the mundane real life stuff.
0: Yeah, that's definitely helpful. So you right now are leading um, teacher trainings with Yoga Medicine, with the um, the two hundred hour, as well as other ones, um, but you're one of the main teachers in the two hundred hours, correct? And then yes, yeah. Do you do any others besides that, like um, on your own in New Zealand? Do you do you participate in any two hundred hour trainings?
2: No, I was involved in a couple of local teacher trainings before I started assisting Yoga Medicine but I haven't been involved in those for a few years now. So in terms of teacher training, it's just yoga medicine. Uh, And I feel so grateful to be involved because, you know, I've only been teaching since 2011, so I still feel relatively new to the whole world of yoga, even though I've been practicing for more than 30 years. The the teaching side of it is still quite new to me. And so I'm, I'm really grateful to have Tiffany's curriculum to to kind of build on and add to and yeah, the idea of starting something myself, I I don't know whether that would be fair to the students.
1: I'm sure it would be. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're being so, like, silly and humble and lovely right now because you've been teaching since 2011 and that's like, okay, is that eight years? That's eight years. That's, that's nothing to shy away from. I know plenty of teachers who have been teaching one or two years out of the bat and, like, have already been giving the responsibility or taken the responsibility of leading yoga teacher trainings. Um, and yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think you should be
2: feeling like that.
1: Like you're, you're amazing.
2: <laughs> well, I appreciate the vote of confidence. I think it's just because uh, the 200-hour teacher training for me was such a life changer. You know, I went from being in a job that I loved the people, but I was completely miserable. And the next day after my teacher training, I taught a class, and then I taught two the following week, and then three the week after, and then four the week after, and. and my life pretty quickly shifted from somewhere where I was uh, very stressed and very unhappy to being really happy and really joyful. And I think for me, the idea of being involved in that for other people is like, it's really precious. It's really exciting. I love it. I always get really buzzed up when I'm traveling to the training, but it's also a big responsibility because, you know, there's such a wealth of knowledge in yoga and I know so little of it in the scheme of things that I guess it's just nice to to feel like I've got Tiffany's curriculum that's been tested over more than a decade on thousands of teachers. It's just nice to know that it's it's not only me, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. that does. Yeah, it's like you had a team behind yeah. you. Which is, yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, I, can, I can see that.
2: And the other teachers as well. Everybody brings something slightly different. So there's that, that feeling of, of being able to offer students a lot more than I could by myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I have like so many questions that I want to ask you, but you were talking about people going and doing their 200 hour, um, in like retreat form, which is what you do, which Tiffany's two hundreds, um, or most of her modules and programs are like that. They're kind of in retreat away from home. Um, what, what would be your advice to a student then as to how to come back to normal life after their, um, teacher training experience? Do Do you have any like tips of like how to take all of that and see see the world and not get super overwhelmed when you come yeah
2: along. it's a tough one isn't it um i think yeah the yoga medicine module format is definitely my favorite because you kind of get the best of both worlds we have the two in-person retreats at the beginning and end of the training and then in between the students have four or five months at home doing homework and practice teaching and it kind of gives them time not just to, uh, to kind of take the information in and make it personal, but also to figure out how this yoga thing is going to fit in with the rest of their life, whether they're working or they have a family. So I think the challenge is, is more when you do a short intensive like I did, a three-week or a four-week in-person intensive. You have all of that teacher training and then suddenly you're adrift and sent home and even on mine, which was in my hometown I spent most of the last day crying trying to figure out how I was going to keep some of this magic all by myself because I think that's the thing that we sometimes forget about as yoga teachers we really are to some extent on our own you know it's 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 just us in the classroom with our students and we might have other teacher friends that are nearby or we might have a mentor but it can be a little bit isolated or a little bit lonely. And when you're more experienced, I think you have people you can rely on and other teacher friends you can call on for advice. But when you're new, you might not have that network. So my first suggestion I think would be to kind of build a network of the people in your teacher training that you can contact afterwards and go, you know, ask questions like, I'm having trouble finding a class. How did you guys manage to get work? Or, I've started teaching and I'm noticing that students aren't doing their chaturanga properly. Uh, What tips would you give me? How can I I help them break it down and do the pose more skillfully? So having people you can talk to or ask questions of or rely on or a a mentor would be great, someone who's even more experienced than you are. That would be really helpful. Mm -hmm. I think the second tip would be to really take your time because – You think of all of the information that you learn in a really intensive way in those three or four week trainings and just not expect yourself to come home and sprout fully formed into a teacher that's good to go, just to give yourself a bit of time to practice teaching friends or colleagues at work or family members and just pick one thing to focus on each time you teach, whether it's today I'm going to focus on shoulder stability and so I won't worry about philosophy and I won't worry too much about the alignment of their feet I'm really going to help them get a feel for where their shoulders are in space and and how they can create a stronger more stable base there Uh, and then next week you do some teaching and this time maybe you're going to focus on bringing in a little bit of philosophy and talk to them about ahimsa uh, non-harming and self-care so I think just giving yourself a bit of space to grow as a teacher slowly and just to pick one little thing to focus on at a time makes the overwhelm a little bit easier to handle, I think.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's really good advice. Um, I remember, well, two things, like, it's funny you talk about like having someone to talk to That's literally how Sandy and I began talking and started this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so we're like, hi, Hey, hi, <laughs> Hey, like I'm seeing this really weird thing going on in my class and this person, or what do you think of this? Or how yeah. do you cue that? How would you cue this? Or do you cue it this way? Or, yeah. um, and then this, kind of hopefully people are listening to this podcast um, having that feeling of community and like, they can ask questions and we can talk about stuff. Um, and then the second, and sometimes yeah, there is no answer. Like sometimes we'll discuss right. something and we're just like, we don't know. Oh, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, feeling like you're in it with someone else instead of just yeah. being, being yeah. in it alone. Um, absolutely. Most things you don't have hard answers for just kind of, it is a discussion. Um, and then the second thing is, I really agree with, yeah, kind of like giving yourself time. My friend and I talk about like time to suck or something like you're you're going to not be good. You're, yeah. you're not going to be great. You're going to be fine is the thing. You're going to be fine if you're a teacher coming out of training. You're going to move. People are going to breathe. They're going to be um, away from all the things that drive them crazy, um, the bigger stresses of life, and they're going to survive, right? But you're not going to like – give them a wonderless, like magical experience. And that's totally okay. (laughs) That's totally okay. So suck a little bit, work on like, okay, today I'm going to cue the breath better in my sun salutations, you know, or like, I'm going to cue my poses, uh, working on foundation, like where people are putting their hands in their feet. I'm going to really speak to that or something like that. Like you said, like break down the little things and then add more, add more as you get more experience. I love that yeah awesome. and I
1: think there's another thing so one of my ex-boyfriends said this and it always stuck with me even though he hasn't stuck with me um, <laughs> he was a he was a musician um, and he said that his music teacher always said like you, you sort of have to write the songs that suck first before you get to the songs that are really good um, and you just have to know that like the, the stuff that's really good is there but you have to get through the crappy shit first and like mm. there's no way around it you just have to get those out onto paper you have to get them out of your brain, um, the ideas that maybe are not that good, in order for you to get to the juicy, good stuff. So, yeah. we've all been there. We all have to go through it. And, like, I think everyone understands it. You know, it's not, no one expects you to come out of a, a YTT and just be fabulous.
0: <laughs> it doesn't happen. <laughs> but, yeah. from from thing. Oh, go ahead, Rachel.
2: Yeah. Oh, I, I was just going to say the, the other thing that I think is new since I did my teacher training is social media that I think a lot of teachers come back from training and they're like, bam, okay, I've got to have photos taken. I've got to get stuff on Instagram and on Facebook and I've got to have a website good to go. And I really think giving yourself a bit of space, whether it's six months or a year or, or however long to figure out what you're doing and who you are as a teacher before you start trying to tell people about it, I think also gives you a little bit of room to grow and and a bit of space to figure out, you know, what kind of classes do I really enjoy? What am I? What am I good at? What What is my style? What is my personality as a teacher? And then you've actually got something to share on social media, as opposed to trying to kind of push a boulder uphill, create an identity, and tell people about it at the same time.
0: Yep, that shit I can love be that, super yeah. overwhelming.
2: I totally so agree. So true. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, with you on that. <laughs> Yeah. Like ideally what we want to be, I would spend 99% of my time. Well, okay. Maybe like 50% of my time training and 50% teaching. And then that leaves like zero for social media and website. Um, But my reality is I need to do a little bit of it, but there's like, there's really that fine balance. Like how important is it? I don't think, I think here, I mean, teaching in Vancouver while I'm transitioning to Victoria now, but I don't think I have barely anyone like on my social cause I've been teaching as long as Sandy, like Sandy has her roots in Toronto. Um, that really follows me and is just like, Oh, Natalie's teaching at this studio doing this class. Like it's mostly my friends and people I've worked with when I was working my like J O B job before. (laughs) (laughs) I've
1: never heard it said like that. J O B job. funny. Um, Yeah, I guess social media depends. Like, I think, I think a lot of people like, a lot of people don't even have social media that are great teachers. You know, there's plenty of people out there who just go by word of mouth and reputation. Like, so it's still possible. You don't, you don't have to do it. It's just a nice way to do it. And like, right now, what I'm doing is like this whole plastic diet thing. And partly that's um, for me to notice my consumption of plastic but also to like spread the word and try to encourage people and let them see that it's not like you don't have to be perfect in order to make an impact and reduce and and be aware um, so I, I don't I don't really use it so much for yoga as much I guess mm. for like advertising stuff there's like a ton of pictures of my dog on my social media and just like hiking it's mostly like um,
0: your dog and food
1: yeah and then and then <laughs> yeah like, i'm super into honestly, that honestly like <laughs> and sometimes i might say something about yoga if i'm like really passionate or just like i it's the right time my phone is in my hand and i have an idea um but it's like i don't i don't work that hard on it i'd much rather see pictures of my dog she's just so cute yeah.
0: <laughs> but rachel yeah. like you but, have yeah. good stuff like you put in you put really uh good videos in and you have like you you I don't know. Well, you have stuff. The thing is you have stuff to show, but there's people, (laughs) people who are trying to show shit that doesn't exist. That's where it gets really stressful because you're like, I need to make a video about this thing and like write an article and it's just like, well, that's not part of what you're doing right now. So don't even try, but like you write articles, you do teacher trainings, you put little tutorials up and people follow that. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, and and that was a really deliberate thing for me, because Mm -hmm. when I first started on social media, and I was a pretty late adopter, maybe that's my age group, I'm not sure, but because I was kind of late to the party, I looked at what everybody else did, so I was like, oh, I'll put up a nice photo, and then I'll put an inspirational quote, and it it, (laughs) not only did it not really go anywhere, I was also looking back over my feed going, this doesn't really tell you anything about me, and what it's like to be in my classes, or what I'm interested in or what I'm passionate about so I made a really deliberate shift to trying to share the information that I personally find helpful and so I invest a little bit of time in it but it but not a huge amount I would only post a couple of times a week and it's and it's usually dictated by what I'm teaching in my classes or what I'm working on in workshops or teacher trainings or what I've just learned that I really want to share so yeah and I feel like it it's a more representative example of, of what it's like to come to a training with me or a workshop with me, minus some mm. of the dirtier jokes. I leave them off social media.
1: No, you're <laughs> yes. the best with the – oh, my gosh. If, if you guys ever take a training or a class with Rachel, it's it's the jokes. She's so
2: funny. It's found to it be something inappropriate at some point.
0: It's so good, though. It's so funny. It's really done in an <laughs> expert way, I'll say, because – I remember you were teaching, I think you did like a restorative or something at the end of uh, the myofascial training. And I remember feeling like super relaxed and just like, you're just like, da, 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 da. And then like random joke. And I was just like, it's like hilarious, (laughs) but I'm so relaxed. This is so good. (laughs) And I want to
1: laugh, but I don't want to expend the energy to laugh, but she's so good. Yeah.
2: It's my (laughs) my attempt to keep people awake in more restorative no. stuff. If you pop in a joke every now and again people will be like, Oh, did she just oh? <laughs> did, did you say that shit? I love it. <laughs>
1: did she really? <laughs> That's so good.
0: Um Um Yeah. You go Sandy. You were umming.
1: I mean. Well I was thinking about like I think some of our listeners are yoga students who might be just considering um or like very close to signing up for a YTT, I'm just oh. wondering what what the like if Rachel had any insight on like what's the cincture, what's the what's the driving force that we
2: could potentially <laughs>
1: talk about here.
2: The driving force to sign up, the thing that makes you go, you know what, I'm going to do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. what was yours? Oh, it was it was really instinctive. It's interesting because I had been practicing at that stage for. I don't know, 20, 25 or so years. And I was working at a gym just doing reception. And um, I had been thinking about becoming a group fitness teacher, but I'm just not kind of bouncy enough. So I was sort of sitting there going, I don't know if I have the energy to teach those kind of classes, but it's there and I'm seeing it every day. And I do those classes and I lift weights and maybe I should do something here. And I was at my other job, my J-O-B (laughs) job, which was, doing goods in and goods out and banking and stock takes for a sports store, which sounds really fun and the people were awesome, but it was maybe 13 or 14 hours a day, exhausting, um, quite miserable. And one of the instructors from the gym came into the sports store and she said, oh, hey, did you hear there's a yoga teacher training coming to town? I think you should do it. And that was all it took. It was literally somebody I respected from the gym world, a really good, very experienced instructor, who knew me saying, you should do that teacher training. And the second she said it, I I knew I had to do it. So as soon as I finished work, I got onto the website and I was literally sick. I was so scared. I was literally sick with fear, but I signed up and it was happening a year from the date that I signed up. So I spent the whole rest of that year terrified, terrified. Um, <laughs> Working three jobs to save up the money and practicing yoga at home and, you know, trying to teach myself to headstand because there were all kinds of things that I couldn't do that I assumed I'd have to do in teacher training. So, yeah, in my living room, trying to learn how to headstand. Uh, And then, yeah, I I went to the the first day and I knew, you know, a lot of people go to training and they think maybe I want to teach, but maybe I don't. Maybe I just want to learn. I knew I wanted to teach, but I had built it up in my head to being something that only amazing people could do like incredible charismatic strong muscly beautiful thin spiritual wise people could do (laughs) and I'm none of those things I'm a bit of a mutt so I I was sort of like
0: (laughs) no And I love I
2: love dogs so I say that loving dogs but yeah so I I was like I know I want to teach but I just don't know if I if I have what it takes Uh, so the whole teacher training yeah I was pretty much terrified the entire time but on the last day on my teaching exam my two teachers who I was still terrified of at that point (laughs) said I would I would employ you in a studio right now so I was like yes okay that's the stamp of approval I can go I can I can do this thing And, and like I said I taught a class the next day Um, in a studio with the studio owner sitting on a couch at the back of the room making notes on her clipboard while I taught students. Oh my gosh
1: (laughs) that (laughs) is so scary
2: oh my gosh. It was nerve-wracking yeah it was absolutely nerve-wracking so yeah that's why I went it was literally just somebody who I respected saying I should do it at the right point in my life Mm. Uh, but but yeah the, the dominant feeling really was terror and so that's Why I'd love to get the message out to people that you don't have to be this incredible, charismatic leader of people. You don't have to be funny. You don't have to be able to do a headstand or a handstand. You don't have to be pretty. You don't have to be thin. You don't have to be anything other than yourself. Because if yoga has given you something that allows you to, to move more skillfully through your life, then there'll be other people out there who need that same help. Yes. Oh, yeah. Gosh, that was so good. Yeah. It's just a matter, isn't it, of, of finding the training that that is going to get you out there teaching the people who need what you have to offer.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think you, there's almost like two sort of things that a teacher training, well, a good one should be able to provide. Um, and number one is that ability to dive within and self reflect and like you said, to see what it was and pinpoint and articulate and communicate what it was that yoga gave you that allowed you to live life more gracefully or live life more easily without the, like the weight of life weighing on your shoulders. Um, that's one. and then the, the second one is to how can I how, how do we teach people to communicate their own message outside of themselves in mm. the format of a 60 minute yoga class that, that is our modern format um,
2: yeah. Agreed. Yeah, completely. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot, isn't it? To to get through in four weeks or three weeks in person, or, you know, there's the model of weekends over six months or a year. That's a lot of work to do. And I think that would be the other thing that I would warn people is, you know, if you, if you're ready and you do want to sign up, just know that it's going to be a lot of work and not just the times of studying and, and reading and making notes, but the the really hard work of having to look at yourself and noticing what things motivate you and what things frighten you and uh, how you react to challenges that come up in the training and in the practice teaching and just getting to know yourself a little bit better is it's going to serve you so well when you start teaching, which can really kind of shine a spotlight on both your strengths and I think your insecurities as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it also serves you well in just the rest of your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. you a better person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's just good stuff. Mm. Yeah. That's so cool.
0: Yeah. I think it is really necessary to let people know that um, they will be looking at themselves in general. Like when they do a training, like you will be doing a lot of personal work, which might not be apparent, you know, it's teacher training like you think you're going in there learning how to teach other people and you're like, I'm good. I've been doing yoga. Like I got this. <laughs> Yeah. practice my headstand <laughs> and mm-hmm. you're like oh mm-hmm. shit like yeah
2: you really have and to you never kinda... quite know I think what aspect of the training is going to be the trigger for you because you know some trainings are, are really big on uh, self empowerment and self discovery uh, and the the yoga medicine one is much lighter on that side of things but you're still in quite an intense process and when it comes to teaching your peers you're standing up in front of other people who've learned all the same stuff as you opening up to their feedback so even that is massively confronting so you never quite know what's going to be the thing that sets you off that kind of brings up feelings or or um kind of sends you into a, a spin for me in my teacher training there was a day that was themed around childhood and so we've played a whole bunch of games you know competitive games which I hate Ugh, I hate sport hate competitive stuff and <laughs> wrestling and, So that got me really triggered. And then we went outside to play with handstands. I couldn't handstand then. I still can't handstand now. So that was really triggering. And then we came in and lay in a big sort of puppy circle where you're sitting in a circle and then you lean back on the person behind you. And I'm also not a fan of close personal physical contact. So it was like three massive triggers in one day. And I spent most of that night crying my eyes out. And for other people, that was the most fun day of the whole training. So you never quite know mm-hmm. what's going to be the thing that brings up feelings. And it's just a good idea, I think, to be open to a bit of self-discovery. Of why does it make me feel that way? Well, that's interesting. Where's that feeling coming from?
1: Yeah, it's important for the moderators of all that stuff to also be able to hold that space and keep everyone sort of feeling safe and, and welcome to break down in order to build up um so yeah it really depends on the teacher as well uh my cousin actually decided to enroll in a yoga teacher training a few years ago um and i asked her like what what made you decide to enroll in this one she said she didn't know she just um saw it online and decided to buy it took a month off work and decided to do it. And I asked her like, do you even know the lead trainer and do you like him or her? And do you like spending time with him or her? Because you're going to be spending a lot of time with him or her, Um, you know, talking and working through things and and learning from them. So if you don't know them, um, that's kind of, it's kind of like weird to me that she would, but anyway, she had a great experience, but yeah, I I feel like um, for most people, uh, Yeah, it's important to know who who you're signing up with.
2: I get this question from students fairly regularly along the lines of, uh, do you know any good teacher trainings that are in Bali in May or June? You know, they they have a holiday, they have a destination Mm -hmm. in mind, and they want to pack a teacher training into that. And that always drives me crazy because my thought is it's such a lot of money and it's such (laughs) a massive investment of time and energy. Very much like you were saying about your cousin, don't you want to know what the training focuses on and the character of the people who are going to be Mm. teaching you. I mean, I, I love the yoga medicine training. I'm a big fan, but it's pretty light on the yoga philosophy side of things. So if you were someone who is principally driven by the wish to share yoga philosophy and chanting and Kriya, this would be the wrong training for you to choose, but you, you know, you wouldn't know that if you hadn't done your research. Or if you were someone who is very much into anatomy and uh, somatics and you went to a very traditional teacher training that had very little anatomy in it, again, you'd be disappointed. So you really, I think, need to do your research. It's such a big investment of, of everything, time, money, energy, attention. You want to make sure that you, you get a good foundation, even though you know if you start teaching, you'll probably be training for the rest of your life. You still want to make a good foundation choice, I think.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to say, um, like almost all of my trainings have been with teachers who I haven't practiced with beforehand. Um, besides Tiffany, I had taken like one class with her at a wanderlust in Whistler, but I did my 200 hour in India. Um, and we were going over there for, um, my husband's cousin's wedding at the time we knew we were going to hang out in India for like two-ish months a little over two months so I was gonna do it I was like okay we're in India I'm gonna do a teacher training and Eric was gonna go find something else to do he went surfing of course um but I yeah I researched and researched and researched so much to find something that was kind of in line with my um what I was really focused on or what I was what was uh, sparking my interest in yoga at the time which is kind of similar, like a lot of physical body stuff right now. Um, Mm. but it just, it still, it still was, I mean, I would have, would have ideally been able to have some contact with the lead trainer beforehand, but had to kind of jump right in. And then, um, in Vancouver, I did 300, like I mentioned before, and I could have practiced with like all of those teachers that led that one before, but I, I don't know why I didn't. I just looked at the website and was like, oh my God, like their credentials were amazing and I'd heard really good things. <laughs> I just like yeah. jumped right into that, barely knowing anyone or I any knew one teacher beforehand, which was insane, but they're all like, they're, they're all amazing, amazing, phenomenal teachers. Um, so I kind of got lucky on that one, but that could have not gone so well. Uh- <laughs>
1: Well, I think that you're pointing to something that, like, maybe, like, I know the the Yoga Alliance, like, industry standards, um, I think in 2018, they did, like, a listening tour, and they came out with all these um, statistics and stuff, uh, which we can talk about in another episode or, or now if we, we want to. But um, what it, what it sort of points to is, like, even after a lot of research, you might not even really know what you're getting into because I think everyone sort of advertises it in the same way, right? Just, like be a yoga teacher fulfill your dream this is your destiny give us your money and we will make it happen like that kind of messaging mm-hmm. <laughs> whereas it's it's not very clear like down to the nitty-gritty what you're going to get cuz there's so
0: much variation there's so
1: much variety out there
0: yeah and some people are going to go into a training not even wanting to teach like almost um my first training I didn't really think I was going to teach after. It was just I wanted to study more. I wanted to learn more. Um, And then, of course, I end up teaching. But a lot of people were just like, oh, I just want to learn more about yoga um, and have like that intensive experience. And then they come out passionately wanting to teach. So still having some idea of of what you want to do with it, whether you follow that or not, is a good idea when you go into a training. Mm -hmm. I have um, one... Oh, I think throughout my teaching, I've only had one person, like I don't lead any teacher trainings currently, but I've had one person come to me and say, like, I really like to do a training. Could you recommend something? Um, I didn't really know who to recommend him to because he only spent part time in Vancouver. He lived in, I think, Ottawa after that. Um, but he was like a 65 year old man who just wanted to teach older people, aging people, how to feel better in their bodies it was like completely yeah. not what you see on any teacher training um poster for for what whatever i generally see in people um so he kind of had a, a why and i don't know i think that's really important to just kind of know why you're coming to it instead of like i want to be a teacher training cuz just cuz everyone makes it sound so great <laughs> <laughs> which we do Yeah, yeah
1: yeah i know i know it's it's a it's a hard kind of hard little topic to everyone has their different motivations, right? Like, honestly, I, I went in to my teacher training because I, I didn't know what else I wanted to do. <laughs> I didn't want to do my job. I didn't want to do, I didn't want to work in an office. So, yeah, yeah, that's sort of just what, what happened to me.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's always interesting, isn't it, what draws people to teacher trainings. And like I said earlier, I knew for sure that I wanted to teach, but there were a few people in my training who, who didn't know whether they wanted to teach or whether they just wanted to learn. And in the trainings that I've taught since, there's always a mixture of people who, some people who definitely know that they want to teach, some people who are already teaching, some people who I think do want to teach, but they're too shy to say so. So they, they say they're not sure or that they just want to learn. And then there really are some people who just come to learn more about their own practice because classes are getting shorter than they were when I first started. There's more movement, so teachers have less of an opportunity to, to sort of share. So unless you're practicing with the same teacher for a long period of time and you have a chance to to gradually pick up tips and information, yeah, there might be a, a sense that you're not grasping the full practice of yoga without doing a teacher training. So I think that's a legitimate reason to do a teacher training as well as just to understand more about what yoga is and and how you can build it into your life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You you um, talked earlier about, or kind of joked about like going into your training, feeling like you needed to be able to do some things physically, like practicing headstand. Um, mm-hmm. Do you still see students doing that? Like I kind of felt that way. I have felt that way with several trainings actually, because I worked a desk job and then I would go and do like the yoga medicine trainings and be like, Um, I can hardly walk right now. (laughs) I don't know. Like I feel like my body is like so crippled and I do yoga like twice a week, but I still loved it, but I just couldn't get there. Um, but do you still see students coming into trainings, like kind of feeling that or does anyone talk about that?
2: Oh, definitely. And the interesting thing is it's never the people where I have any concerns about their physical practice at all. There's always a couple of students where their physical practice is beautiful it's not that they can do fancy things but they're in their body they're aware of what their feet are doing and where their knees are what's happening in their hips and they're often the ones that come to me and say you know i i I just had kids a couple of years ago or i've been working a desk job and i haven't been able to practice an hour every day so often that insecurity comes from the people who you know i watch them for 10 minutes i'm like well they're fine i'll be looking over here um And I don't hear that concern from people who maybe have been going to plenty of classes but with a distracted mind. And so they're not sure what shape their spine is in or whether they're engaging their core or not or what position their shoulders are in. And and that to me is a much more important practice in a teacher training. It's not what you can do, it's how you're doing it. It's bringing your brain into your yoga practice so that you can investigate, you know, how does it feel if I squeeze my feet toward each other how does the feeling change if I drive my feet away from each other you know if I tilt my pelvis forward and then I tilt my pelvis back where's the point that it starts to feel like the middle the the neutral so that's the kind of investigation that I personally would love people to do before they come to a teacher training so that they're sort of fertile ground for all or the alignment theory to sort of land on. They've got some of their own experience to to mitigate it with.
0: Yeah, and I think, like, this drive of having to do certain postures is because people have the belief that they need to do the posture in order to teach it, which I don't believe personally um, I will. I guess you can go pose by pose, but in most poses, I don't think the teacher needs to be able to physically do it in order to teach it. I think if you know, like... The key components and the kind of more key physical muscular engagements, um, and the mental readiness, then you can teach it. How do you feel about that?
2: That's a tough one. I I personally don't teach anything that I don't practice. Even if I'm not practicing it right now, you know, say I've got a, a tweak in my neck and there are poses I'm leaving out, I still wouldn't teach anything that I haven't got good solid experience in practicing, but that might just be me. Maybe that's, that's the background that I teach from is when I'm here, I feel this and it helps me to do X, Y, Z. I I don't know. That's a really good question. It's not come up for me because I teach a population who are usually a little bit stiffer, a little bit tighter, a little bit less mobile than I am. So there's plenty of things that, that I can do that I don't teach, but I only teach them a subset of postures
0: that I do, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that does make sense. Sandy, are you still there? Mm -hmm. Sorry, I can't hear. Yeah. Okay, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just listening. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um,
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think
1: there's like a different, there's a ton of different opinions about that. Like um, my my first teacher actually did say that, like don't teach something you don't know. But knowing is very subjective objective in certain ways like what about it's a pose that you you used to do regularly and then you just stopped doing for a long Mm. time does that still count as knowing and and is that fair game to teach or not to teach um and i think ultimately it, it comes down for me to purpose like what what's the purpose of you trying to teach that pose so let's say it's pigeon pose what's the purpose there um if it's the front hip external rotation um how are other ways you might want to approach that that aren't necessarily pigeon pose Mm. like can we brainstorm as a yoga teacher training exercise ways to do that that don't necessarily put you in pigeon pose if pigeon pose isn't something you want to practice for whatever reason it is Um, and I think there are lots of options and sometimes you have to be a little creative and that that's okay it's okay to be creative and to make up poses and not know the name for them Um, but to I think as long as purpose drives you, I feel like you're, you're going to deliver a pretty damn good class. Yeah,
2: I agree. And I also think that as a teacher, that transparency of saying, I'm not practicing pigeon at the moment. So here's the alternative that I prefer in my own practice. I think that's so great for students to hear and for them yeah. to see, because it really does set the foundation that you want in a class of, of people looking for the benefit and not being a slave to the shape. So if they see that you take an alternative they're like oh great well that alternative feels better for me as well or not maybe they prefer pigeon but at least it it sets them up to make more decisions for themselves
1: yeah i think that's totally right um it's it's really hard to we've had this discussion before it's hard to teach in that way though like thinking about a pose breaking it down and trying to like distill purpose Rather than just being like, "Here you go, pigeon on a platter." Just yeah. do it. You know, it's it's really hard to teach that way. So I I I didn't take Tiffany's two hundred, but I'm really curious because she's such a she's such a teacher with purpose. Um, I don't know if you have any insight into like how does she teach people to do that? Because that's not easy. It's not an easy thing. It's not like a skill
2: that I learned quickly. <laughs> yeah, agreed. And, and here's my take on it, because I think you've hit the nail on the head by saying purpose. That's what Tiffany and that's what yoga medicine are all about. It's what's your intention? So if your intention is to guide people through some movement, a flow, where they're not as worried about perfection and alignment, they just want to be in their bodies and get some circulation going and some lubrication between their muscle layers then maybe you don't go through every single pose and offer alternatives. You just cue people to move through space. And maybe if you're doing something that requires a lot of range of motion or a lot of strength, then you'd say step one is here. If you're still with me, step two is here. If you want to go further, step three is here. But but there's a time and place for just moving bodies through space, you know, sun salutations Mm -hmm. or, or flows. But then when you have postures where there's a little more time, so you come down to the floor. I think that's a great place where you've got a bit more space to build in, more intention about, I want you to feel it here or I want you to be able to relax. Maybe you're most relaxed with this option. Maybe you're more relaxed if you use a bolster. Maybe you're more relaxed if you take this alternative that involves you lying on the floor. So I think you hit the nail on the head by talking about purpose and intention. As a teacher, you really have to pick and choose and you can't do everything all the
1: time yeah Hmm. yeah for sure for many years I was just a teacher of just like move the body make some shapes sweat yay and, I mean there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that <laughs> is there and no <laughs> no but it, it is like I feel like for me I had to I had to get good at talking mm. before I I really could fine-tune what I was talking about if that makes sense. Absolutely. And, yes. and it just took those years. It just took those years of talking.
0: <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Like that's how I felt um, because I went from my 200 to my 300 with barely any experience in between. And then I started to teach. So I had like 500 hours of training, barely, I don't know, like under a hundred hours of actually teaching actually probably like 20 or something. Cause I just taught randomly. I think in my office. Um, and then it was like, Oh my gosh, I have so much information and I'm trying to do so Mm -hmm. many things, but I haven't practiced doing the basics yet. So it's almost kind of good to do your 200 hour and just take that. It's not everything, but just practice the basics and so I really agree yeah giving every tool in your tool belt and you're like okay I'm trying to sculpt this thing and I have like a hammer and a chainsaw <laughs> and a paintbrush <laughs> and you're like, holy <laughs> shit
2: I got away <laughs> super overwhelming <laughs> no I, I so agree with that do your 200 hour and I think there's a sort of for me it was a couple of years before I was really hungry for something else and I think for everyone the time would be a bit different but But do your 200-hour, just get out and start talking, like Sandy said. Start putting thoughts into words because that's a a real practice. And then as you start to get more comfortable with that, you can get more refined in terms of, well, today I want to focus on this and today I want to focus on that. I would say yes to to everything, every opportunity, because if you told me when I did my teacher training that I would mostly teach uh, older people, I would have not believed you I thought I was going to teach athletes because that that was the crowd I was mixing in at the time but it just didn't work out that way I've wound up teaching a lot of classes for people in their sort of 60s maybe maybe 50s some in their 40s but definitely older people with joint replacements and uh, um, and just health issues that are different to those that you'd face in your 20s and 30s. So I think saying yes to everything then gives you a chance to figure out you know, what's my wheelhouse, what am I good at, what works well for me, what brings me joy and excitement, what do I love doing? And that's when you start to get hungry for, gosh, I wish I knew more about osteoarthritis or the hip joint, or that's when you start figuring out where you need to delve deep again, and that's when it's a great time to start thinking about your 300-hour, when you're actually hungry some specific information
1: Mm -hmm. Mm, yeah that's so good i love that um so just a a quick uh maybe a stupid question but what's what's the difference between a 300 hour and a 500 hour
2: yeah that's a really common place for confusion and i think it just depends on the country what they call it so you do your original 200 hour foundational training and then you add a 300 hour of more specialized or more professional training and together that gives you your 500 hour Oh, okay. So some people refer to to it as a 500-hour and some people refer to it as a 300-hour. It just depends, I think, on where you are in the world. But it's actually the same thing. It's actually Mm. the same thing, yeah. You do a 200, you do a 300, and then you're a 500-hour teacher. And then in yoga medicine, we have the 1000 hour bum (laughs) bum (laughs) ba And I think that will be something that that makes its way onto Yoga Alliance eventually because there are more and more and more – well-trained teachers
1: these days yeah oh if and if those out there don't know so like a thousand hour isn't even listed on yoga alliance which is our um, regulating body i guess um they only have i think the 200 and the 500 and then i think they have like other little things like prenatal is its own thing yoga therapy is its own separate thing Mm. so you can you can go and you can elect to do those but there's no other like general training beyond 500
0: yeah as reckon Yeah, for like a stamp of approval Mm. i have a question another one for rachel so how would a teacher know they're ready to teach a teacher training
2: Mm, that's a really good question because i think most people if you ask them they would say they weren't ready i definitely didn't feel ready when tiffany asked me um so that's a really good question I think you do want to have been teaching for at least a few years and and it's hard to classify it in years because maybe you have a full-time job and you're only teaching one class a week or maybe you're teaching full-time in which case you'd build up experience much more quickly. But I think you want to have a good couple of thousand hours of teaching under your belt just so that you're comfortable with the teaching process itself and you know who you are as a teacher. And then... For me, when Tiffany asked me, I didn't feel ready, but I had already assisted a couple of trainings in my hometown. So I, I knew a little bit about the process and I knew she was going to be there. So for me, having a mentor and having a mentor present was really important because it meant that if I didn't do a fantastic job of delivering the information, there'd still be the fallback of Tiffany being there to kind of tidy it up and pick up the pieces, if you will. So That to me was very important. I was teaching curriculum that had been tested over time, and my mentor was going to be there to make sure that the students still got everything that they needed. And then from that point, for me, it's just been repetition. I think I'm on my sixth or seventh yoga medicine 200-hour training now, and and every time it becomes a little bit more comfortable and I'm focused less on my delivery of the content and, and more on the students and how they're receiving it and And what else they need to help them. And that was really the point that I wanted to get to where it wasn't about me. I could just focus on them. So that's really enjoyable. It makes the process so much more fun. Mm. So that would be my tip in terms of knowing Mm. that you're ready to teach. Have a lot of experience under your belt. Have your 500 hour or your 300 hour, depending on your terminology, under your belt. And then ideally start off with a program that is existing and tried and tested and has a mentor there as kind of backup or fallback for you and that's a really safe place to start teaching from safe for your students to make sure that they'll get what they're coming for and what they're paying for I'd also add here workshops uh, because teaching classes is well really... oh, I was just
0: gonna say um per... oh shit <laughs> go ahead <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> teaching classes is a, a really specific kind of teaching uh, where you're it's kind of one way, all of the information is coming from the teacher to the students. Um, and so it's great, but it's not exactly like training where there's quite a bit of two-way information flow. So workshops is a nice stepping stone where you're presenting a more complex concept. You might have to do some theory and some practice. There'll be questions, there'll be interaction from the participants. So it's a sort of nice stepping stone from Regular classes to teacher training, so I think having a few workshops under your belt is also useful.
0: Yeah, that really makes sense. It, it is um, a really different kind of atmosphere when you're getting feedback from people in, in conversation, as you are more so in a workshop than a class. Um, and then, like I guess, if people have, if you have the opportunity to join in on a teacher training, I would say, and, and again, I haven't done this myself, but my my I guess I can't find the word right now. I would go about it by teaching what I am most passionate about or what I know the best. So, like, I know a lot of yoga medicine teachers participate in teacher trainings as like the anatomy teachers because that's a lot of. This is what T- Tiffany teaches primarily is is yoga anatomy. So, go in and um, teach what you're passionate about because otherwise, it can you you feel like like I wouldn't go teaching about the chakras or chanting or a lot of the philosophy in <laughs> the areas that I <laughs> But uh, the body... I think that's great advice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, start with
2: the area that you feel the most joyful about, the most excited about, because teacher trainings are intense. It's, it's a lot of information for the students to take in. So if the teacher's excited about what they're teaching, it's a big help to kind of keeping people awake and involved and engaged. So if you have the choice, definitely something that you're passionate about and even just assisting or observing might be a nice first step if you think that you're keen to get involved in teacher training uh, and you don't know whether you're ready or whether the training that you've got your eye on is the right one getting involved assisting I think is a a nice way to test it out and test yourself out and that might just mean that you're doing admin tasks or it could mean that you're doing physical assists during the asana practice, but it, it kind of gives you a, a low risk way to, to get involved and see what it's like behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think also within industry, there is like pressure there, or there can be like some internal pressure to, to do teacher trainings to, cause they are a little more lucrative. Like teachers do make more money, I guess, it it depends, but generally than just teaching classes. So it's nice to kind of add that into what you're doing. Um, But it's not for everyone. Like not every teacher wants to teach teachers. Some people just want to work with students and work in the class. So I think it's important to not feel like that's what you have to do. Like, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I should teach workshops. And it's like, well, you don't have to, if you don't want to, like do it, do what you want to do, Mm -hmm. do what you do well. And maybe things change over time as they always do, but kind of, yeah, like if you're not at I love teaching. Like if I have a student that comes to me after class and asks a question or oh what we're doing here was this I'm like so freaking excited. Like I could I could spend like fifteen minutes just with them even though another class is coming in. I get so pumped. Oh, like, Nat. you know,
1: like I'm so stoked. <laughs> like, Oh, Nat. She's just like the student wants to leave and Nat's just like talking her. Like, ear can you just off. get in this <laughs> position right now? Can I just see
0: something? And they're like, I gotta go. No. No, but like I love I do actually love teaching and it's almost like I have these little out of body experiences where afterwards I'm like oh my god I can't believe I said all that stuff and I knew all those things like that's so weird but I get so passionate
2: you know I totally agree with that I think back in the day there was a very specific pathway of you would start teaching and back in the day there weren't even 200 hour teacher training so you wouldn't even necessarily do training but you'd you'd be tapped on the shoulder by your teacher to cover while they were away you'd start teaching and then you do workshops, and then you do retreats, and then you do teacher trainings, and that was the way, that was the path. But it's not like that anymore. The world has changed so much, and there's so many niche markets that are just as successful, if not more so than that traditional pathway. So you might just teach in a chiropractor's office or a wellness clinic. You might work full-time and teach your colleagues in you know, the school or the office that you work at. Uh, there's so many different ways of being a teacher these days. You might just teach online. I mean, there's plenty of people who make a living from teaching virtual students. So I don't think anyone needs to feel like there's only one pathway these days. There's as many pathways as there are people
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think that's so empowering. Especially, everyone says that like the market is so saturated, but I mean, I walk down the street and there's so many people that could use yoga that don't have access to it. So it's it's saturated in like maybe the studio space of the people who already know about it, the people who already do it, but it's not for. So many millions of people who are um, that just don't have access or just don't know about it, or who who are never open enough to see about it, and, and just needed someone else's voice maybe yeah. to get through, get through a shell. You know, like that was definitely it for me. Like I, I would never have accepted this unless a certain number of things had happened in my life and a certain number of people had said certain things, right? Mm. Um, so yeah, it's just about I think getting more people. To be able to talk better than I can talk. <laughs> no, really, because, because not everyone will hear what I'm saying, but they might hear the same message in the words that you say it. Yes. Um, and that's just like, yeah, like that just needed to happen. So, so like, yeah, for me, it's just everybody go take a yoga teacher training. Um, Self-discovery is huge and then also just spreading the goodness of yoga is also huge and there are so many untapped markets. It's not saturated in the way you think it's saturated unless you only want to teach studio classes or you only want to teach um, a certain style of yoga that is saturated, then yeah, of course it is. Um, but yeah, there, there's opportunity and there's there's a lot of good stuff that you could change in the world um, if only I guess we were all up for that kind of
2: challenge i i agree yeah. and i love the fact that at, at many of the recent yoga medicine trainings we've had at least one person usually multiple people introduce themselves by saying i want to teach the people how you don't go to studios because yeah you know, we have people come from uh, medical backgrounds or they're coming from the armed forces or just slightly less traditional pathways crossfit boxes or athletes where they can see a desperate mm-hmm. need for the physical and other practices of yoga. And they just don't see those people walking through studio doors. So I love the fact that more people now are coming to teacher trainings to reach those people. I love it.
1: Yeah, that's so great. I think that's, that's one of my whys of this podcast, just trying to, trying to give people the tools t- in order to empower them to, to go into those spaces. Cause it's hard, it's hard to get into a space where maybe yoga isn't welcomed with open arms. Mm yet yeah
0: i find i kind of think of yoga as like it used to be like a little bit of an underground thing like you go in the back door or some building and you go downstairs like that's how it <laughs> used to be i think like before like when i was a baby probably in the 80s or i don't know when it, back in the 60s it was it was just like way more <laughs> not just, not. just ran i've had a lot of coffee but anyway it, it did like when you hear people who've like practiced since the 70s or something that's what they explained it as it's like <laughs> it's one there was one class a week and it was like in someone's basement yeah and then no i get you know, you. I, I get and you. then like no, I it became you. like super popular <laughs> and it's in all these studios now and it's in gyms but i feel like there's also like a movement to bring it back into people's basements because i've taught classes for friends who are like yeah i teach these guys it's a group of like eight guys and we just rent this room with this place, and this back door <laughs> alley thing. And there's like these dudes that just want to get together and then they, they have, do yoga and they go for a beer after. So they've like created their, <laughs> their so own awesome. little like underground yoga experience with like the teacher that they want and the time that they want. Um, mm. So yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity for that.
2: Mm. Agreed.
0: Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Mm. That's so good. Um, I think we should maybe start to wrap up. Is there anything, Rachel, that, um, you sort of want to give to our audiences who are either students, um, who are really dedicated yogis? Cause I think only dedicated yogis listen, right? Like I, hi there. If you're not a dedicated yogi, <laughs> you've made it, you've made it to this point. Like, wow. Hi, hi. I appreciate you, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <laughs> or um, our, our other subset of audiences is, is usually people who are teachers and um, uh, are just looking for tools or information. Um, yeah,
2: anything you want to say? Gosh, that's a big question. Um, so let me speak <laughs> first to the people who are dedicated students who are sitting at home wondering whether they should do a teacher training. I would say to you, as Sandy did, just do it. Do your research find a training that you think speaks to you and to the areas of practice that have been the most interesting to you, but but do it. And the, the follow-up question from those students is often, how do I prepare? Like, How do I get ready? Uh, and I would say do a bit of reading, whether that's in anatomy or philosophy, whichever area you feel the fuzziest on. Get a couple of books, do a bit of reading. But I would invest most of the time in your own practice and not in trying to get a headstand in your living room like I did, but in looking at the subtlety and the nuance of inhabiting all of the parts of your body from what are your fingers doing to what's your neck doing? Is there tension in your neck? Could you soften that? Where are your feet? Are your toes spread? What does it mean to lift your arches to sort of investigate their body and then to notice their responses, their reactions to their practice? How does this make me feel? What kind of thoughts come up when I try to sit quietly in meditation at the end of practice to dive a bit deeper in that experience of yoga? Because even when you're a trained and experienced teacher, that's really the place that you draw from. That's how you most effectively communicate to your students is from your own experience. And then to the people who are already out there teaching. As I said at the beginning, it can be a little bit lonely, a little bit isolating, especially if you live in a small town like, well, maybe not, maybe even if you live in a, in a big city, it's often just you in your car or just you in the studio or in the client's uh, yoga room. And so to, to reach out and to make sure that you have a, a community, whether that's an online community, or a podcast like this one that you you check in with every week and feel connected to, but somewhere that you can go to feel seen and heard and ask your questions and to put in your two cents worth of what your experience is and and to hear that reflected back from other people, I think to get connected is, is really important. And for me, not just connected to peers, but to find mentors has been really important because... For me, it it costs a hell of a lot of money to travel anywhere other than the bottom of New Zealand to train. And so I do a bit of training online. But in between those big trips away to learn from yoga medicine, I really need to rely on my mentors. And I have Tiffany. I'm really lucky to have access to Tiffany as a mentor. So I ask her a bunch of questions. But I also have my parents, who uh, my mum's partner is a yoga teacher. And, um, and a wellness practitioner. My mum is a wellness coach. They both do fascial kinetics, which is a, a bodywork technique. And so having them as a resource to ask questions, just about the little ethical things that come up. You know, I'm, I'm noticing this behavior in a student and I, and I don't know how to look after them. What would you suggest? I think having mentors is massively underappreciated in the yoga world given how much time we spend by ourselves. So those would be my big tips for existing teachers. Get a community that you can rely on. See if you can find some mentors around you to ask for advice, even if you just take them out for coffee every now and again. And then keep learning. Keep following the threads that inspire and excite you and continually learn because that way you will continue to be of help and service to your students.
0: I love it. Thank you so much. That's awesome.
2: Thanks, guys. I feel like that was my manifesto. (laughs) (laughs) thanks guys have a great afternoon
0: no that
1: was that was so awesome yeah thank you so much for joining us rachel and hopefully we can have you back on the podcast one of course maybe yay (laughs) so many things to talk about
0: okay well go get your coffee and hopefully you're a little more awake now (laughs) have have a good day teaching or doing whatever you're going to do Thanks guys. Yeah. Thank okay. you.
1: Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>